Hi there, it's Jennifer. So happy to be with you with our week one of the three-part series of Prayer Power, part of the year-long Masterful Living curriculum. And these three weeks of Prayer Power are always a favorite for everybody. One of the great benefits that people always tell me about in their experience of Masterful Living is that they learn to pray, they learn the power of prayer, and by becoming prayerful people, they transform their lives and begin to experience their natural state as being miraculous. And it's a profound turning point. So it's one thing to learn about prayer and to study prayer and to think we understand it, and it's another thing to live a prayerful life. So masterful living is about living a prayerful life. And in these next weeks, you will become armed <laughs> with the tools to really do that effectively. And one thing I know for sure is that prayer is the most powerful technology that we have. And it is, of course, a spiritual technology. So let us begin with a prayer. So we're going to get, begin with the prayer for partnering up, which is foundational for us in our Masterful Living class. And it's in a, your workbook, as you probably know by now, and hopefully you're using it on a daily basis. And for those who are joining us just for prayer power, you'll have it in your transcript. So I invite you to place your hand on your heart. We're moving into our heart space now, surrendering any belief in lack and limitation. We call upon the company of heaven to support us and assist us in awakening to the truth. We're grateful and thankful to remember that our true identity is perfect love. Taking these breaths of love and gratitude, tuning into our heart, we declare, I am that I am. I am my I am presence. I am one with the one, and for this, I am truly grateful. In the name of my beloved I am, I ask that my higher Holy Spirit self, my I am presence, lead and guide me to be in the flow of love in all moments of this day and in every area of my life. I intend to be easily led and guided to choose the highest and best in each moment. I allow myself to receive the blessings that are mine to receive. I allow myself to recognize the most loving choices this day. Higher Holy Spirit Self, please make the loving choices so attractive to me that I cannot mistake them. Help me to choose love and to live my life as a joyful and abundant prayer of the heart. Help me to recognize my life is the eternal life of God. I am dedicated to being a loving and beneficial presence on this planet. I choose to be truly helpful. 
I share the benefits of my healing and expansion with everyone because I am one with them. I am awakening to know my true identity and the true identity of my brothers and sisters. We are one in love eternally. And for this and for all the blessings I receive this day, I am so very grateful. In the name of my beloved I am, I know that it is done. I allow myself to accept it. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I'd also like to share from A Course in Miracles from the text. Uh, it's, it's also in your workbook. And uh, it's A Course in Miracles text, page 28, 29. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes knowing he goes there with me. I am I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. And also on that same page in our workbook which it's uh in in the Masterful Living workbooks on responsibility from A Course in Miracles. This is from the text, my page, 448. And it's in the section, Responsibility for Sight. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. So we're going to look at that. How could it be that everything that seems to happen to me, I have asked for and receive as I have asked? It's so profoundly life-changing when we can really understand this and comprehend it, not on an intellectual level, but on a heart level. And this is the thing that for me, for many years, I had such a clear intellectual understanding of these teachings, but I didn't take it into my heart to truly live it. And so that's my goal now, to truly live from my heart and to fully comprehend the teachings from my heart. Because when we really understand these in a heart way, we are inspired and motivated to live them without any question. And so as I had miraculous awakening, understanding of the law of cause and effect that I had been teaching for years, that's when I realized, oh, I have been studying this, understanding it intellectually, but not living it from my heart. And that's why I'm still creating a mess, and that's why I'm still suffering so much, and I don't have to do that anymore. And so I made the commitment to 
live as though every thought and every word were impacting my life and that there were no thoughts I could think, nothing I could say or do that didn't create an effect. And so when we move into a prayerful life, it can still be very playful, lots of fun, filled with joy. In fact, the vibration of prayer, the vibration of play and joy are the same vibration. The more prayerful I became, the more I laugh. <laughs> so I, I know that prayer is the way into your joyous heart. I know that. And I'm inviting you to prove it to yourself. So let's just start with some basic understanding about prayer. And the first thing I like to share about it is this. So let's say we were all sitting in a room together and we could all see each other. Uh, if I were going to ask you, I'm going to give you a, a scenario, okay? So let's say that uh, I'm here with, I'm visiting with a friend and uh I'm preparing for class, and uh, I say, okay, I'm going to go teach my class now. And she says, oh, will you say a prayer for my cousin when you do your prayer? And I say, sure, no problem. She goes out the door, and she's gone, and now it's time for me to pray. And so I'm going to say a prayer for her cousin. And I realize, oh, I don't know her cousin's name. I don't even know if her cousin is a man or a woman or a child. I don't know if her uh, cousin is got a health issue or a financial issue or a relationship issue or a mental issue. I have no idea what is the issue that she would like prayer for her cousin for. I have no idea. I don't know where her cousin is in the world. She could be in anywhere on this planet. I have no idea. I don't know any of these facts or details. I don't know the logistics. So just by a show of hands for the people who are on the phone, if I were to pray for my friend's cousin, not knowing any of these details, would the prayer still be effective? So if you think the prayer would not be effective, I'm going to ask you to press star 2 and raise your hand. If you think the prayer would not be effective, because I don't know where the cousin is, how old the cousin is, what the cousin's name is, what the sex of the cousin is, or what the issue is, would the prayer not be effective? Start to to raise your hand if you think the prayer would be ineffective. Okay, nobody's raising their hand. So some people might say, well, I don't know. I'm unsure. Anybody unsure? Start to if you feel unsure. Would the prayer be more or less effective if I knew the details? you're unsure, start to, to raise your hand. Okay, nobody's raising their hand. 
So that tells me that everyone who's listening on the phone now is sure that the prayer would be effective even though I do not know these details. Now here's another question for you. Will the prayer take longer for it to be effective if I don't know where the person is? Like if you're mailing a letter to somebody and you don't have the address, it's going to take a circuitous route to get to them if it ever gets to them at all. Is prayer like that? Do you have to know where the person is in space and time or the, any of these details in order to get the prayer there more quickly, more effectively? And I already know the answer to that because nobody ever says, oh, yeah, for sure, the prayer is going to be delayed if you don't know the location. And the reason is, is because even when I ask these questions in a room full of people who aren't so spiritual, uh, and, and maybe people who are religious but not spiritual or scientific but not religious or spiritual, everybody is in agreement that prayer has the same effectiveness regardless of any of these details. And that's because I believe on some basic level everybody understands the one mind that there are no private thoughts because we all share the one mind. If we all share the one mind, how is it possible you could have a private thought? It's not possible. Where are you going to put that private thought? How are you going to hide it if we all share one mind? You can't do it. So this is why Gandhi said, be the change you'd like to see in the world, which is exactly what it says in A Course in Miracles. Don't try to change the world. Change your mind about the world. And prayer is the best tool I know to help us do that. So Course in Miracles tells us that prayer is our communion with God. That it's, it's a technology that we have to commune with God. And one of the hang-ups that people have is they think, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Nobody taught me how to pray. That's what's so common. I don't feel comfortable praying because I don't do that. I wasn't raised that way. Or in my family, we, we called the prayer professionals. We didn't have amateur prayer hour. <laughs> and so I understand that as well. Now, I can tell you that my first real true prayer was this. I, I, it was uh, many years ago, and I was very frightened about something. And uh, I don't remember what it was now, but I was very fearful. Uh, it was probably something related to how I perceived myself, my ego identity. And it may have been related to finances. I just don't remember now. It was a long time ago. But I was really feeling frightened. And I was not raised in a religious household. I was not raised a Christian or any other religion. And uh, my parents were not religious in any way whatsoever. Uh, I had gone to church with my grandparents who were very prayerful and religious. But uh, I really didn't know anything about prayer. But I, when I was a girl... Uh, growing up, my grandparents had a plaque on the wall 
of a, a child kneeling at the end of the bed. And it had that prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I can't remember the rest of it now. But um, so I, I had that image in my mind of kneeling at the foot of the bed. So I went into my bedroom and I knelt at the foot of my bed. And I put my head on the bed with my arms outstretched on the bed. And this was my prayer. Help me now. I'll do anything I'm guided to do, but I will not live in fear. Help me now. I was extremely sincere, and I was very willing. That was the key to that prayer. And what I know is that in less than an hour, I was no longer feeling afraid, and I had a clear idea of inspired action for me to take. And that was really my answer prayer. I, I said, help me now. I'll follow whatever guidance I'm given, but I will not live in fear. It's intolerable to me. I didn't know the causes of fear. I had no idea back then, none. I, in fact, if you would have asked me then, what are the causes of fear, I would have given you a long list of things in the world of effects. I had no idea. The fear had to do with my using my mind to block love and the flow of love. So prayer opens the flow of love, and that's what happened. I had that willingness and that sincerity to follow inspired guidance, and it came, and I accepted it, and I moved and acted upon it, and I had uh, a life-changing experience. And then sometime around that same period, I had a friend who was studying to prayer in a Science of Mind church. Now they're called the Centers for Spiritual Living. Back then they were called the United Church for Religious Science or Religious Science. So she was studying what uh, the Science of Mind people call spiritual mind treatment. And that really comes from just a little bit of uh, new thought history here. Um, the Very briefly, the history of new thought uh, New Thought, which is a philosophical movement that I am a minister in, and uh, to me, Course in Miracles is the latest insta ins um, installment, let's say, of New Thought teachings. Uh, but it started with a man named Phineas P. Quimby, who uh, lived in a small town in Maine, and he learned about mesmerism, the teachings of Charles Mesmer. He learned about mesmerism, which was a form of hypnotism, and he became inspired. He started to have, his intuition opened up, and he started to teach the teachings of Jesus from a very inspired place. 
and people around him started to have amazing healings. And one of those people was Mary Baker Eddy, who was a student of his. And Mary Baker Eddy founded Christian Science. And then uh, students, uh, a student of Mary Baker Eddy's, Emma Curtis Hopkins, uh, began teaching. And she inspired Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, who started the Unity Churches. And uh, she was also a teacher to Ernest Holmes, who started the Science of Mind teachings. So that's a brief history of, of New Thought. And so in all these teachings, including A Course in Miracles, the most fundamental part of it is that the law of cause and effect is always working and that the, the law of cause and effect is operating with all of our thoughts and our beliefs. And so our beliefs and our thoughts have power. And we've already talked uh, some about this and we'll be coming back to this over and over and over again because we can understand it on an intellectual level, but until we're really willing to take it into our heart, it's just more information. And information is not healing. Information is not life-changing and transform transformative. But when we open our hearts to the truth, it is healing and it is transformative. And it's miraculous. So we're opening our heart and mind to have miraculous healing experience in our lives at the most foundational level. At the very most foundational level. Oh. Take a sip of my water here. So when Jesus walked the earth, he said, It is done unto you as you believe. And Course of Miracles tells us there are no idle thoughts. All thought produces form at some level. One of the ways to think about your thought is to think about it as if it were a seed planted in divine soil. And that seed, as long as you nurture it, water it with your thought, with your attention, with your belief, with your emotion and energy, then it is going to grow and produce fruit. So, for instance, if you were to plant a tomato seed in the soil, that is going to, if you water it and tend it and you give it sunlight, it's going to grow into a tomato plant. And it's going to bear tomato fruit. Tomatoes are actually a fruit. So it's not going to give you strawberries. That tomato seed is not going to grow into an apple tree. It's not going to grow into an avocado tree. It's not going to grow into a rose bush. That tomato seed is only going to grow into a tomato plant. And if you nurture it, it will bring tomatoes, fruit, an abundance of fruit. It's the same with our thoughts. So if you think of a thought that you're concerned about, a thought of concern that you have, 
and it could be I'm not enough. I, I don't think they like me at work. They're going to fire me. I, I'm not making enough money. I'm never going to be able to pay my bills. Or you have a thought, um, I don't think I really love my spouse. Or I don't think I really like my children. Or I don't really like myself. Or my body is ugly. Or uh, my health is never going to recover. And the many myriad of anxious thoughts that people have throughout the day. Each time you think a thought that you truly believe, you're planting a seed. Or if you've planted that seed before, you're watering it. You're encouraging it to take root, to grow, and to bring the fruit. So this is why in the workbook I have the whole section on um, uh, heal the root to have new fruit in the Masterful Living workbook. So that's what we're going to be doing all year long is healing the root so that we have new fruit. It's the easiest, fastest way to transform your life. This is why so many people in Masterful Living have remarkable, miraculous results that literally they can't believe how much they've transformed in just one year because they're going to the root and they're changing the root causes so that they're no longer planting those seeds or watering those seeds. And so the, the formation that the seed of negativity that has been continuously watered, that formation falls away into nothingness when you stop watering it, tending to it, nourishing it, feeding it, giving it fertilizer. It stops growing. If you turn your attention, and this is what we do in our classes here, in Masterful Living, we turn our attention to planting seeds of goodness, planting seeds of right relationship with the earth, with our loved ones, with ourselves, with our physical body, with every part of our life. We start planting seeds of harmony and seeds of prosperity, seeds of wholeness and freedom and wisdom and clarity and creativity and the all good of God and we keep planting them and we keep planting them and nourishing them and watering them and feeding them and so then those are the ones that truly begin to grow and we harvest the fruit in our relationships, in our finances, in our creativity, in our workplace, in our physical body. And prayer is the main mechanism that we use to clear away the formation uh, of the negative, anxious thinking that we've been doing for so long. And prayer is the main tool that we have to focus on what we truly would like to experience and so being in a class for a full year where your attention will come and go you'll notice that especially having a prayer partner that you really your life starts to become miraculous miraculous and 
you start to realize, oh my gosh, I have been living a small, limited life. And this is one of the main things that many people don't even realize how limited their thinking has been. Basically, most people in their minds, they just walk up and down the same street over and over and over and over again. And for a lot of people, it's the street at the end of the pain train. And so thinking the same thoughts over and over again is not going to bring you new results. So this is why we work at the level of interrupting the thought patterns so that we can energize what we're interested in, what we're choosing to focus on. And we don't have to spend huge amounts of time, energy, and money (coughs) focusing so much on healing what we don't like. Instead, we focus on calling forth, holding the space for, bringing into our hearts, making room for what we are interested in experiencing, and then all the negativity falls away. It doesn't, it's not necessary anymore. Because in this life, we have two main avenues of growth. And we get to choose every minute of every day which avenue we're going to take. Are we going to be pushed by the pain Or will we be pulled by the vision of beauty and truth and wisdom and clarity and freedom and prosperity and wholeness? Every day we get to choose all day long. So for most of us, the vision is there and it's pulling us, but we're still also being pushed by the pain. So what we do in Masterful Living is we begin to really shift our focus so that we're being inspired by the vision. Inspired by the vision. So one of the books that's in your bookstore that I'm inviting you to read that will be very helpful to you, and we'll talk about it next month, is the book Zero Limits. Zero Limits by Joe Vitale and E. Haleakale Hugh Lin. It's in your bookstore on the Masterful Living uh, book recommendations. And it's it's a book about the Hawaiian teaching of forgiveness that's called Ho'oponopono. Many of you have heard of Ho'oponopono. Many of you already know it. I encourage you to read the book. I like audio books, and I particularly like the audio book of Zero Limits because I find that the sound of Hulen's, Dr. Hulen's voice, I, I feel the vibration of it. It feels very expansive to me, and, uh, but I'm very affected by the sound of people's voices. So I like to, to listen to it, but I also have read it in um, book form. So um, I encourage you to look at both. They're both in the bookstore there on the Masterful Living page. And uh, many people have found that reading Zero Limits is very inspiring and helpful to them. And using the Ho'oponopono as a prayer becomes a powerful part of their healing experience in Masterful Living. 
And uh, so we'll, we'll be talking about that later on. All right. <clears throat> and for those of you who might just m might remember that the Ho'oponopono prayer is uh, the four lines, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, I thank you. So, let me just tune in here. So I teach, uh, I've been teaching a three-stage prayer. I'm going to teach it as four stages this time. I got inspired to do that. Uh, and uh, when I learned prayer, the science of mind treatment, that's a five-stage prayer. But the five stages felt too complicated, too complicated for easy teaching. So I moved it into three, and now I'm going to give you four stages of prayer. So when you're praying, you're going to move through these four stages. And it helps to have these four stages because as you're learning to, prayer, uh, to pray, uh, it's, it's very valuable to keep your mind focused in the prayer and having the different stages of the prayer, sections of the prayer, parts of the prayer to move through makes it easier. So uh, I, some of you may know I've taught in the past my three-stage prayer called GSS. And this one is a four-stage prayer, and I'm calling it God's Prayer, G-O-D-S. G-O-D-S. And uh, I actually got this from someone who took Masterful Living, who, like me, uh, is a science mind practitioner. So we're going to start with this four-stage prayer. And the four stages are, and remember, all this is going to be in your transcript, so you don't have to write this down. Uh, the thing for you to write down is your ahas, your insights. And then you can put those notes in your transcript as a way of working with it, if you like. Just, just some, some ways that people have told me they've worked in the past. Uh, some people really uh, work mostly with the transcripts. And, of course, the transcripts are searchable, which is also nice. You can search for words and phrases in them. So the four stages are of this God's Prayer. G for gratitude. O for offering. D for declaration. And S for share. So God's prayer makes it easy to remember, gratitude, offering, declaration, share. So we're going to break down each of those four stages. So we begin with gratitude, and here's why we begin with gratitude. In truth, 
everything has already been given to us and nothing can be added to us. Nothing. The only reason that we don't walk on the earth as an ascended master is because we have chosen to have this human experience and we're blocking our awareness of the truth with our thoughts of separation. When we move into gratitude, we're moving into the place of we already have everything. A Course in Miracles says, I need do nothing. And this is often, for many Course in Miracles students, I need do nothing is confusing. I need do nothing. Are you kidding me? I've got to go to the store. I've got to get the laundry done. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to get to work. I've got to cut the grass. I've got all these things to do. What do you mean I need do nothing? That doesn't even make any sense. Who's going to make the dinner for the children if I need do nothing? Well, the key word in that teaching is need. I need do nothing. In our awakened state, we don't have to effort for anything. We will actually be able to manifest whatever it is we'd like when we like it and perfectly as we'd like it. That's what the awakened mind can do. This is why Jesus was able to turn the water into wine. This is why he was able to multiply the loaves and the fishes. Sometimes people like to make up stories about how it was that Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. I, I heard one minister say, well, he inspired everybody to be really generous and share. And so that's how he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And while I'm certain that that's also true, I also firmly believe that he was able to make manifest what he needed when he needed it because of his consciousness. And that's how the blind man was healed and on and the Lazarus was raised from the dead. It's because of his conscious connection and communion with God. And that's what prayer is about. And by becoming prayerful people and really practicing prayer, what we begin to discover is how often throughout the day we give ourselves permission to think thoughts of lack and attack. And when we give ourselves permission to think thoughts of lack and attack, it's like, have you ever, you know how, uh, maybe you did this when you were a kid, you would tell a lie, but you would cross your fingers behind your back, and somehow because you crossed your fingers behind your back and you told the lie, there were no consequences. Like, that's a crazy thing. Who ever thought of that? <laughs> However, people actually believe things like that. They believe that they can ruminate all day long on lack and limitation and think that it's not going to somehow generate an experience of lack and limitation. But it must, because our minds are the minds of God. Our thoughts are incredibly powerful. 
there are no idle thoughts, it says in A Course in Miracles. So there are no idle thoughts. In other words, every single thought is a powerful tool to either make yourself miserable or bring forth more joy, more peace, more love, more harmony, more abundance, more wholeness, more freedom, more creativity, more clarity, more your true self. And we get to choose our thoughts. So this is why we were focusing earlier and stopped playing small classes about the, our, how we interrupt that thought process. And one of the things I would say to you, those of you who are in Masterful Living, I encourage you to listen to those Stop Playing Small classes multiple times and these prayer classes multiple times because the more you listen, the more you will hear. And what happens is when you are willing to give up false beliefs, like other people can ruin your life, or your upset is caused by someone else, your suffering is caused by someone else, uh, or that you're the victim of the world of effects. The more you're willing to give up these beliefs and surrender them for healing, the more your mind opens, and when you go back and listen to the class, you will hear what you could not hear before because your mind was not open to it and you weren't really a vibrational match for it. People tell me that all the time. That's why with certain teachings and certain books, for instance, I almost always am reading the same books over and over and over again. This is why I never tire of reading A Course in Miracles because every time I pick it up, there's more clarity than I ever had before because every day I have more clarity than I ever had before because every day is a prayerful day. And every day that's a prayerful day is a day of healing. Many people are convinced that they don't have time for spiritual practice. But what I'm encouraging everyone to consider is that you can actually live a life of prayer without ceasing. And what that means is that you recognize that all thought produces form at some level. And so you begin to take responsibility for all of your thoughts. Remember what I was saying uh, in the Stop Playing Small classes is that in truth, your beliefs are actually magnetizing into your awareness the thoughts that you're choosing to think that are congruent with those beliefs. So if I believe that I'm not deserving, then I'm going to think I have to earn everything and then I'm going to be worried and concerned that I can earn everything I need when I'm not really deserving. I'm going to think that the world is not for me, that I it's hard. And then I have to work hard in order to get ahead. But it's not true. It's a tremendous falsehood. And I used to believe that was one of my core beliefs. I have to work hard 
in order to get ahead. I'm not interested in that one anymore. So in that uh, teaching from A Course in Miracles that I read in the opening prayer part from the Responsibility for Sight section on page 448, I am responsible for what I see. So what I see is a projection of what I believe combined with what I think. All thought produces form at some level. Form is what we see in the world, what we experience in the world, and our emotional life. Physical, mental, emotional bodies are our experience in form. I am responsible for what I see. The world is not happening to me. It is a projection of my mind. So if I'd like to experience a new experience, a new projection, I must change my mind. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. It's really radical in the world that we live in to say, I choose the feelings I experience. Well, why would I choose to feel upset? Why would I choose to feel hopeless? Why would I choose to feel resentful? Why would I choose to feel angry? Why would I choose to feel lost? But the more we wake up, the more we clear out these old belief systems, these old patterns, the more we interrupt the patterns, we start to see, oh, right there, I did it. I chose to feel sad. I chose to feel left out. I chose to feel hopeless. I saw it. I just saw it. There it is. you will begin to see where it is that you choose these patterns and you give yourself over to them getting on that pain train. And you will say, ah, I'm not getting on that train anymore. And you'll let the train leave the station without you. And then when you start to do that, I'm telling you, make every effort to do do your little boogie dance, your little victory dance. And that's one of the things I do. I take a lot of pictures of me with my arms up in the air in that victory. And because I'm saying, baby, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory is mine. I am God victorious over the ego. I am God victorious over all, over all the painful choices that I made. You know, let's let's say that throughout your many lifetimes, you had millions of times when you chose to feel sad about this or that, and you interrupt that pattern one time, and then the next time it's even easier, and the next time it's even easier, and then pretty soon the pattern is just dissipating. You don't have any interest in it anymore. So we begin with gratitude. That's the first part of the prayer, gratitude. G-O-D-S, we start with gratitude, God's prayer. Gratitude immediately lifts our vibration. There's something to be grateful for. 
I love it in in one of the community calls. Uh, I think it was a year two community calls. Somebody said, "I start with I'm grateful for my thumbs. I have opposable thumbs. <laughs> How great is that? I don't have fins, right? I'm getting ready for my whale watching. So whales don't have thumbs. They have a lot going for them, but they don't have thumbs. But we have thumbs. And I and I know people who they don't have fingers that work, uh, and they don't have a full set of fingers. The fingers are uh, born; they were born with malformed hands and fingers, and it's harder for them. So we can be grateful for many, many things, and we can be grateful for things just as they are, knowing that as they are. It's perfectly encoded for our learning. So we start our prayer with gratitude. We're also grateful because we chose to remember to pray. We're grateful that God is and that we live in a God is system. And we're one with God and God is now. God is not happening in the future if we're good. God is happening in its fullness right now. So I always like to be just grateful that I remembered to pray. I'm grateful that God is. I'm grateful that I am not alone. And in Masterful Living, I encourage you to read. There's a couple more books in your bookstore. Not everybody likes to read books, but for those who do, I like to recommend books. And uh, two two books that I really uh, value are the Angels 101 book by Doreen Virtue and then also Angels in My Hair by Lorna Byrne, two very different books about people's experiences with angels. And usually when I bring up angels and masterful living, there's a bunch of people, including Course of Miracles students, who say... Uh-oh, angels, uh-oh, uh-oh, Jennifer, I think you just lost me. But I encourage you to be willing to expand your mind into an understanding of angels through your own actual experience of angels. So I believe that we all have guardian angels, And I also believe that the angels are always with us and they're always available to help us. Now, the angels and the ascended masters, all these different beings that are in our human earth school to help us, they cannot help us unless we ask. They cannot help us unless we ask. Because this human experience is about us having the experience of using our mind to create our experience. And in this world of cause and effect, we have the option to miscreate. That's what A Course in Miracles calls it. We have the option to become enamored of making things and miscreating by using our thoughts to energize lack, limitation, 
separation, fear, worry, doubt, etc. It's totally optional all the time. We get to choose what we would like. So we're in Masterful Living, we're training our mind to keep our focus and attention on God. And one of the best ways I know to do that is with gratitude. And it can be so challenging. It can be so, so challenging to keep our mind focused on love and gratitude. But those are the two main things for us to keep our focus on. Love and gratitude, love and gratitude, love and gratitude. The angels can help us. And here's what it says about that in Lesson 183 in A Course in Miracles. It it talks about calling the name of God. It says, say God's name. And this is Lesson 183, Paragraph 2. It says, say God's name and you invite the angels to surround the ground on which you stand. Now, if you're feeling afraid and worried and lost and hopeless and angry and worthless, it might be kind of nice to be able to have the angels surround you and start singing to you. Wouldn't that be good? All you have to do is say the name of God. For me, I like to say, Beloved, I am that I am. But God doesn't really care what you call it. Because you're really calling your own name. Because you are God. So it says, say God's name and you invite the angels to surround the ground on which you stand. And sing to you as they spread out their wings to keep you safe. And shelter you from every worldly thought that would intrude upon your holiness. So when you call the name of God, beloved I am that I am. The angels are going to surround you and they're going to run interference with the ego thoughts. It says, repeat God's name and all the world responds by laying down illusions. Every dream the world holds dear has suddenly gone by and where it seemed to stand, you find a star, a miracle of grace. The sick arise, healed of their sickly thoughts. The blind can see, the deaf can hear, the sorrowful cast off their mourning, and the tears of pain are dried as happy laughter comes to bless the world. Now it also says here in paragraph 2, God's name cannot be heard without response. So there's, it's not going to fail. You can't be failed. Nor said without an echo in the mind that calls you to remember. So when you call the name of God, you're going to hear an echo that calls you to remember your true identity. And the angels are going to surround you and sing to you to run interference with the ego thoughts so that you can clearly hear divine inspiration. And that's what happened to me that day. I got down on my knees at the foot of the bed, and I said, help me now. I am willing 
to do anything that I'm guided to do, but I will not live in fear. I didn't call the name of God specifically. Not that I remember, but I might have said, God help me now. I don't remember. But it was definitely my intention. The thought was in my mind. I am talking to God now. I'm talking to the infinite. And I got a response. And for sure, the angels surrounded me, sang to me, and ran interference with the ego thoughts. That was very clear. I didn't understand it at the time, but I experienced it, and I knew that it worked. And from then on, I knew that I had access to miraculous experiences, and it was about my willingness. I didn't fully understand it for a while, but on a heart level, I got it. So we begin with gratitude that God is. We place our hand on our heart. Now, I like to put my hand on my heart. Part of it is, if you look at the heart mass studies, there's an uh, organization in the United States called the Heart Mass Institute. And they study these kinds of things. If you place your hand on your heart for about 90 seconds, it helps you to tune into your heart, your energetic heart, your heart chakra. And we'll be doing some work clearing out the chakras so that we can have a lot more freedom in our life over the course of this Masterful Living Year. And when you place your heart hand on your heart for about 90 seconds, which is plenty of time to have a really juicy prayer, you focus in and it literally boosts your immune system for six hours. Six hours. Just as getting angry and upset depresses your immune system for six hours. So if you do find yourself getting angry and upset, what's, what's the thing to do? Put your hand on your heart, start a prayer with gratitude. I'm grateful for things just as they are. I'm grateful that God is. In the name of beloved, I am that I am. I partner up with my higher Holy Spirit self. And I'm grateful. I take a breath of love and gratitude. Love and gratitude. If you listen to my daily prayers, you'll hear me do this day after day after day after day. I like to place my hand on my heart when I'm praying because I'm reminding myself to be wholehearted. And not just to pay lip service to God, but to actually move into my heart awareness not to have an intellectual prayer. I remember one time when I was studying prayer and studying to be a practitioner, uh, I went to an event uh, that was about healing. And um, the practitioner who was praying prayed and prayed for like 10 minutes and they were praying, like they were working up into a big uh, energy, lots and lots of energy. And it seemed to me that the prayer was uh, like they were trying to, you know, gather something. 
and afterwards I spoke to my practitioner, my teacher, and I said, what was that prayer about? It seemed to just go on and on and on and on. And my practitioner said, well, sometimes when people are not feeling the prayer and they, they really would like to feel a shift in their energy, they will keep praying until they feel the shift. Now, in my prayer work, I hold in my mind, in my prayer, that it's already done in the mind of the infinite. And so I'm not making anything happen. I allow something to happen. I don't actually know how to heal people or make things happen. I don't know that. But I do know that prayer works. And I've experienced many miraculous experiences that shows me that prayer works. The only reason why prayer doesn't work is because our belief isn't there. So that's why we work at the level of the mind, clearing out the opposing beliefs by using affirmative prayer. So we, we do weed the garden as well as water the garden and fertilize the garden and make sure that there's no blocks to the light in the garden. But taking good care of those seeds that are being planted for goodness and right relationship and more harmony, more peace, more love, more joy, we focus on that. We don't need to put tons of attention on the weeds because where your attention goes, then that brings energy to it. So we place our attention on the weeds in our garden, the negative thoughts and beliefs, when they arise into our awareness, then we say, ah, I'm not interested in that thought anymore. I'm going to make an offering of that. And so that's the second stage of the prayer, offering God's prayer, G-O-D-S. So we begin with gratitude, and we, fir we firmly anchor ourselves in gratitude. If you're ever feeling upset, if you're ever feeling lack and limitation, if you're feeling frightened about money or prosperity, move into a deep practice of gratitude. Oprah says that starting a gratitude journal was the single most life-changing thing she ever did. And especially as a spiritual practice. And she said when she started that gratitude journal, she was grateful for things like ice cream. You know, she didn't have things to be grateful for that were really beautiful, but she still did that gratitude journal every day. So that's why the, there's gratitude in the daily mastery journal. And so if you have your workbook, you can do the daily mastery journal. There's a portion that takes about five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening. So you get to decide how much practice you would like to do. And that mastery journal is a very simple way to help you keep focused. You can write down what you're grateful for there. You can just do that part. It's a way to begin your day 
with gratitude. And of course, praying throughout the day keeps us in gratitude throughout the day. Gratitude multiplies the good. Would you like to multiply the good? Of course you would. Be grateful for things just as they are. Be grateful for all the good things. You'd be surprised, but so many wonderful good things happen, and we don't even notice them. So start to count your blessings. Start to really take acknowledgement of them. It's so often the things that get our attention are the negative. going to sip my water here. So in the offering stage, what I like to do is I like to make an offering or surrender. I like both words. <coughs> to make an offering of two things. Blocks to love And I like to make an offering of any thought of a prayer request. Because the best prayer is needing nothing. Because if you go to prayer needing something, then you're actually energizing lack. We have been given the means and the mechanism for total abundance, total health and well-being, nothing but net, all good, all the time. And the reason we don't experience it is because our belief system is one of lack and limitation. And we put a lot of focus and energy in that. We cannot think a thought about, oh, I hope they don't get that job. I hope they're suffering. I hope they never have good, you know because they don't deserve it, because of what they did. When we think thoughts like that, because all is one, then we're going to have that experience of being deprived. We're going to have an experience of being left out. Whatever it is that we wish on someone else, we're going to experience. That's why the golden rule is do unto others as you would have done unto you. And the rest of that teaching is do unto others as you would have done unto you because what you do to others will be done to you unless you clear that energy out. One of the ways we clear that energy of negativity out is through prayer. So we make an offering, and you'll hear me do that all the time in my daily prayers. Make an offering, a place on the holy altar fire of divine love. So, in my spiritual practice, I began to realize that, ah, oh, love is my true identity. Love is all that there is. God is all that there is. God is love. And when I'm looking for a healing, wishing for a healing, wanting a healing, needing a healing, when I'm in that space, what's really being called for is for me to remember love. Oh, 
Course in Miracles says, love has forgotten no one. Love is our true nature. Course in Miracles says, ask and it is given because it already has been given. We've forgotten that we've already been given the kingdom. It's pre-installed. And when we seek the kingdom first, then we begin to realize, oh, I already have it all. That's why it's added unto me. It's returned to my awareness when I choose to look for it. And where is the kingdom? It's within. Course in Miracles says, you are the kingdom of God. We are the living, loving presence of God. So it's about remembering that. So for me, the remembrance of love acts like a healing fire that burns away false beliefs. When I choose love, compassion, kindness, patience, generosity, all these different ways to express love and to be in the flow of love, I'm literally burning away the thought that I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy, I'm bad, I'm wrong, I don't deserve, I don't have. All those thoughts are burned away by my choosing to put my focus on love and gratitude. So to me, it's like a holy altar fire. You see a fire on an altar. could be a flame of a candle. And I literally see myself offering to the fire, like a fire puja, P-U-J-A, uh, a fire where you you burn up, literally, thoughts of lack and attack and limitation. You burn off painful memories of upset and distress, pain and suffering. So I started to, in my mind, offer these negative patterns, these negative beliefs, these negative thoughts into the fire of love. And to me, it's a healing fire. It's not a hot burning fire. It's a nourishing fire. In our physical body, if our digestive systems aren't working, sometimes we don't have enough heat and fire in our digestive system to break things down. If you eat a lot of raw food and things like that or meat, it, it takes a lot of fire in your digestive system to break those things down. In fact, it generates a huge amount. It takes a lot of energy to digest food. It's one of the most energy-draining things or energy-necessary things is just digesting the food, getting more fuel into the system. <clears throat> and so I really like that imagery of the fire. So I often say in my prayers, make a holy offering, place it on the holy altar fire of divine love. That's not something that somebody taught me. It's just I started to say it. And I have no idea when I started to say it. The Buddhists and many other religious teachings, spiritual teachings, philosophical teachings, talk about making offerings. So my teacher, Venerable Dahani Oahu, is both a Cherokee chief and she's also a very highly esteemed Buddhist teacher. 
and both the indigenous Native American teachings and the Buddhist teachings are teachings that include prayers of offering and making offerings of smoke and smudge and incense and fire and water and prayer, among other things. And so you'll see altars that have incense on them or smudge. Uh, you'll see altars that have fruit and foods on them. And making these offerings is ancient tradition. So I make offerings of that which no longer serves me. I'm offering it to be healed because I know it as I am lifted into the light of pure awareness, all are lifted. All boats rise on the tide of love. So we make offerings of that which we think we want or need so that we can give up being in needing and wanting. And we make offerings of gratitude. We make offerings of thoughts of lack and limitation. We can make all these kinds of offerings in our prayer. And in my daily prayers, you will hear me do that over and over and over again. So we start with gratitude, and then we make offerings. And I always like to make those offerings of both the negative and the positive. So I'm, I'm really purging myself of thinking of lack and limitation and needing and wanting and moving into that state of having. And that's the declarative part. So the God's Prayer, gratitude, offering, declaration, share. So in that declarative part, it's I am love, I am peace, I am joy. God's goodness is here now. The fullness of God's love is here now. Beauty is all that we are now. Freedom is our natural state now. Truth is our true identity now. Peace is fully available now. I am harmonious now. So in the prayer, we're always in the now. So one of the things that you'll notice is that sometimes people in their prayer work, it's conditional. So people will say things like, as I awaken to love, my life improves. But God's not conditional. Yes, that's the appearance. As I awaken to love, my life improves. However, I am love now, not in the future. In God, there is no future and there is no past. There's just now. God is a now system. And so we make these declarative statements. I am the peace of God now. I choose the love of God now. I'm fully devoted to living a life of love now. I'm willing to experience total prosperity now. Now, 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 now. There's no conditions. Peace is not conditional. Joy is not conditional. Love is not conditional. Even prosperity and abundance are not conditional. The spiritual qualities of life are not conditional. 
they are live streaming, fully active, your true identity, 100% of the time. And the only reason you don't experience it that way is because we invest our attention in thinking thoughts that block our fullness of the experience of the spiritual qualities of God. And we'll get more into that. So we make these declarative statements and then we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. And I can't help myself. I always go back to gratitude. I'm so grateful at the end of the prayer. I'm so grateful because I've just had a shift and I've shared the benefits with everyone. I've remembered my true identity. I'm so grateful. More to be grateful for. Magnifying the good even more. So G-O-D-S, four stages of the prayer. Gratitude, offering, declaration, share. The share stage where we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them helps us to remember the unity of all life. And that's absolutely key to our experiencing love, peace, joy, harmony, freedom, and all the spiritual qualities of life. Because the only reason we don't experience them fully and completely all the time is because we have a belief in separation. So in order to heal that belief in separation, let's focus on oneness. Sharing the benefits with everyone is a great way to focus on oneness. And we close out the prayer, and there's no letter for this, <laughs> but it's we allow the prayer to be. We allow ourselves to accept it. So you could say God's amen. So God God's prayer, and then we accept, we allow, amen. So at the end of my prayers, you'll hear me say, we allow it to be, we accept that it is so, we know that it is done, and so it is. Because we allow it, because we accept it, it is done. And therefore, So it is. Amen. So those are the stages of the prayer. What I would encourage you to do is to, for this next week, once a day, or more if you like, absolutely, write down a simple prayer. I'm grateful that God is. I'm making an offering of all thoughts of lack. I declare I am willing to be prosperous. I share the benefits with everyone because I'm one with them. I allow it to be. I accept it as done. And so it is.
you'll probably write that prayer out in a minute or two, depending on how quickly you write. And you can certainly say it in seconds, less than a minute. And you know what else you can do? I love to do this. It's really fun. <clears throat> you can pray with people and they don't even know it. You can do it all the time. You can be talking with your mother, your sister, your brother, your father, your coworker. There could be some upset, some distress, and you can just say, you know, I'm grateful that we're talking about this. And uh, you know what? Right now I'm just going to surrender any thought that this isn't going to go well, that it's bad or wrong or we don't have what we need. I'm willing to believe and know that this situation has something to offer us and that good is, is being discovered through this experience. And I'm just going to let it be. And so it is. I prayed with people who had no idea I was praying with them. I wake up in the middle of the night to go use the restroom, and I pray. I pray all the way there and all the way back. I wake up in the middle of the night and turn over. <clears throat> Sometimes situations are going on in the world or with people that I know, and I'll find that I wake up every 30 minutes and I just pray and go right back to sleep. I pray and go right back to sleep. Wake up, pray, go right back to sleep. And I do not feel less rested the next day at all. Because as it says in A Course in Miracles, Rest does not come from sleeping. Rest comes from waking. We're waking up. I used to think that my feeling rested had something to do with how much sleep I had. No, not at all. It comes from where is my focus of my attention. So the invitation is to pray and pray and pray and pray throughout your day until it becomes so natural, so your second nature. Now, one of the reasons why we have prayer partners in Masterful Living is so that you, you have, you, and you'll have multiple partners throughout the year in Masterful Living, but we have these multiple prayer partners so that you will practice prayer and, and you'll also be working the curriculum with someone and practicing having an intimate experience with someone being non-judgmental and sharing without fear of judgment because everyone in Masterful Living is practicing non-judgment. It's the core, it's the foundation of this class. And so when you come together and you're the two or more who are gathered, as Jesus said, the Christ is right there in the midst of you. You're, there's an exponential thing that happens. So when two people come together to pray, it's so powerful. Transforms everything. Now, what some people do in their Massive Living Prayer Partnerships, they feel uncomfortable praying their own prayer. They feel uncomfortable being in a spontaneous prayer. And believe me, I know 
practitioners who have studied prayer for years, they still prefer to write a prayer down and read it. But that can fall away. That can fall away. If you choose it to, it can fall away. It will just naturally fall away. And you'll feel comfortable learning to pray. So you'll practice with your prayer partner who may feel even more trepidatious about praying, more uncomfortable praying than you. But then, you know what? Pray to feel comfortable praying. Make an offering of that in your prayer and declare, I am willing to be a powerful, prayerful person, a healing, beneficial presence in the world. Another thing that people will do is they'll read the prayers from the workbook, and that's just fine. Absolutely fine. Whatever gets you started in prayer is just fine. So I'm inviting you to work with these five stages. I'm inviting you to re-listen to Stop Playing Small and to re-listen to this class if you're, if some people are only doing the prayer power. And this week, put one thing into prayer and focus on it and pray on it every single day. And I particularly invite you to put something into prayer like a relationship with a person. And I especially encourage you to put into your prayer a relationship that feels really difficult and challenging. And make that be the main thing that you do this week is you pray at least once a day. Very simple prayer about that relationship. Now, we're at time here. However, I do want to give people a chance to ask questions. So I'm going to take a little bit of time here for any questions that you have. Kristen is asking, she wrote in, does it make a difference praying aloud versus in my mind? Here's what I know from my own experience. When I pray aloud, there's the vibration of my voice. And start too, if you want to press star 2 on your keypad if you'd like to raise your hand and ask a question. When I pray aloud, the vibration is being felt by every cell function of my body. If you've looked at the medicine water videos and the water, the great mystery, which uh, that's, uh, that's a really valuable, inspiring tool. I really um, encourage everyone to watch that movie. Uh, you can get it at Netflix. You can find it on YouTube in, if you're in Masterful Living. The, the movie is on the um, video page, Water, colon, The Great Mystery. It's a documentary. It's about two hours long. It's really good. And it's a great movie to get and watch with friends. Um, you can watch it with family members. I find that everyone finds it fascinating and interesting. So you can watch it with anyone or everyone. Even non-spiritual people will find it interesting and provocative, and it's a good thing to have a conversation about. So praying, like I have a glass of water here. I, I would never probably have a class without a glass of water, not just because I like to drink the water, but also because 
I I know that the prayers and all the teachings are going into the water, and then that water becomes medicine for me. And so praying out loud, every cell fiber and function of my physical body is vibrating with the prayer. And everything in the room, the earth, the land, the sea. So I like to pray at the water. Uh, well, you know, I'm a, a prayerful person, obviously. Uh, so I prefer to pray out loud. Absolutely. When I'm alone, I pray out loud. Uh I ask people all the time, can we pray first before we have this meeting? Can we pray? And um, most people are like, uh, oh, okay. Yep. You'd be surprised how many people are willing to pray with you uh, if you just ask them. Say, I'd like to say a little blessing. And sometimes you don't have to say prayers. You can just say, I'd like to say a blessing. Uh, people are like, oh, blessing. Yeah, who, 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 who wouldn't like a blessing? And let me just tell you, if you start blessing your food and praying over your food, uh, blessing and giving thanks and gratitude to all the beings of the earth who contributed to it and all the people who had any part of bringing it to your table, the truckers, the farmers, the packers, all the people involved in it, that is going to completely transform the cellular structure and the benefit of that food to your physical body and it's going to make your physical body more receptive to it. And I'm telling you, even if you're eating something that you believe is bad for you, because a lot of people do that, we're crazy that way, we eat things that we think are bad for us. Why would we do that except we're interested in punishing ourselves? So we're going to be doing a lot of self-love work this year. So... Eating food is, the food really in a lot of ways is neutral. It's how we hold it in our mind. So if you're going to eat something that you think is bad for you, be willing to change your mind about it. I've had people say to me, oh, that coffee, that's bad for you. And I say, no, it's not. This is a healing, nourishing elixir that is perfectly designed by God to be of benefit to every cell, fiber, and function of my body. And people are like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I love myself. And so I know this coffee is good for me. So I invite you to pray over everything. And so you'll be listening to this class, working with the transcript, working over. And, just, and I invite you to experiment, place, write a little prayer, and, of course, there's no bigger or little in God, but write a prayer. And uh, you'll begin to, as you do this, you begin to understand there's no order of difficulty in miracles. It's just, are you willing to hold in your mind the thought that is healing? Or would you prefer to hold in the thought, this is bad for me, this is not good for me, and I'm going to eat this as a way of punishing myself? You'll begin to become more and more aware as you move through this class and your prayers are going to help you just eliminate huge, well, what seems like massive amounts of confusion and distress and pain and suffering. I'm just wondering, it just came, I know we're over time, I'm sorry. And the classes will get a little shorter as we go through the year. I just, there's so much that I like to share at the beginning. 
I'm just wondering, is there anybody who is in year two or year three that has really worked with prayer uh, and uh, found great benefit that would like to raise their hand and just give a little testimonial or a testimonial or anything about uh, uh, suggestions about prayer partnership, encouragement about prayer partnership. Any year two or three students listening in who would be willing to say a couple of words about that? Okay, Karen. Hey, Karen. Oh, I think you're on self-mute. You're right. How did you know that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm here. And <clears throat> I may have shared this before, but it's it's just a, a story that keeps um, coming to mind when you ask that question because uh, really until Masterful Living, um, I had friends who prayed beautifully and I thought, oh, I could never do that. I mean, it seemed as difficult to me as playing concert piano. And uh, being raised Catholic, I was used to memorizing prayers, and that's wonderful, too, and it serves a, f a function. But um, when you taught us, again, kind of a that framework for prayer, and I began to do that, then um, my confidence began to grow. But it was I was so, so frightened at the beginning, really, of trying to pray out loud. And <clears throat> um, as it would be, uh, there was a friend of mine who had terminal cancer, and um, she decided on her own that she, whenever we were together, she just wanted me to pray out loud for her. And so it was one of those uh, requests you couldn't refuse. So I found myself praying out loud. And as soon as I was willing to let go of any performance concerns mm -hmm. and just um, be present with my friend and to um, really let the prayer come through me, not from me, um, then the concerns went away, and and it became a <clears throat> an experience that I really enjoyed doing, and um, and I gave up really any concern about it from then on, and and it was so funny because I knew that every time I called her, she was going to ask me to do that, and I would still have some sense of dread and concern, but um, in the end, it was the prayer from the heart was one that. Um, energized both of us and um and i've learned to really love it and and having a prayer partner the same kind of experience i remember having my very first prayer partner and i was so concerned that i was going to make some mistakes and and i wasn't going to be very good at this and i wasn't going to meet <clears throat> the, any expectations my prayer partner might have and um i now have um five i think and I so look forward to our conversations and our connections, and it is so much fun, and it is unlike any other experience I've ever had, and certainly not knowing these people in any other context but this um, is a very unique one. But uh, the prayer part is really, um, it is something, it's, it's like a flower that just keeps blooming over and over and over again, and I'm very excited about now, and probably more excited because I thought it would never be possible for me to to be to to make prayer. Mm. And and it's a, a beautiful uh, examples and experiences, Karen. And just briefly, uh, have you seen any results from your prayers? 
<laughs> yes, and I, I, it would be impossible to be brief. All I can say is that it is it is <clears throat> extremely powerful to know that prayer is always answered. So that uh, when I am willing to be prayerful, it is already done. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful to know that all I have to do is be willing to be in prayer. And prayer is not hoping that the snow lets up in Boston so my daughter can get a break. It's not about that. It is about praying that I grow in my awareness that everything is exactly as it's supposed to be and to live a life of loving acceptance. I mean my and and so often now my prayer is not even with words. It's more just being still. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Karen. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. I'm I'm going to um Hmm. Just listening here, something's coming through. Be sending an email with some suggestions of things to uh, do in the workbook. Uh, the main thing this week that's going to happen is uh, for those people who have have uh, prayer partners to introduce themselves to their prayer partners and see if you can arrange a time to meet on the phone or on Skype. Uh, you can connect through email and phone. And we have people in this class from all over the world. So as you go through this year, you will have several prayer partners in different locations. And you'll get to know more and more people in the class and feel connected to more and more people in the class. As Karen said, it, it becomes just absolutely life-changing, totally delightful. And uh, one of the best parts of the course and so you'll be getting an email from me unless you said you didn't want a prayer partner so if you do not wish a prayer partner then please uh, let us know because I'm, I'm almost complete with making all those assignments I allow intuition to follow and uh, to to guide me rather, and I follow that, and I work with Angela. So if you're not interested in a prayer partner, please email Angela at jenniferhadley.com, A-N-G-E-L-A at uh, jenniferhadley.com. And of course, of miracles, right in Chapter One, the principles of miracles, number eleven. Prayer is the medium of miracles. It is a means of communication of the created with the creator. Through prayer, love is received. And through miracles, love is expressed. Miracles are thoughts. So, 
Uh, I see other people raised their hands. Thank you, but I'm going to let that be. We're way over time. So let's place our hand on our heart right now and be so grateful and so thankful that God is, that love is, and that is our true nature. We once again partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember our true identity. We make a holy offering of everything that does not serve our life of love. We make a holy offering of everything we think we need and want and do not have. We surrender all blocks to love. What I know for each and every one of us is that we are open vessels of God's love. What I know that each and every one of us is, is we are fully empowered to know the truth of God. We are willing. We are grateful. And we share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In grace, in gratitude, in joy, we allow our healing to be. We accept that it is done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Beautiful. Thank you, everybody. I love you. God bless.